Prophecy Today, I'm Jimmy DeYoung Jr. Along with my brother Rick, we examine current events in the light of God's prophetic word. And it is the weekend after Thanksgiving. And I'm sure, like me, you have had your full of family, food, football, fellowship. You know, that's what we're going to be doing for eternity, Rick. Can you believe that? Well, maybe not the football. Maybe not the football, but we are going to be doing the fellowship. In fact, Jimmy, yeah. do you know how to spell fellowship? <laughs> how do you spell fellowship, Rick? F-O-O-D. <laughs> I know you've heard that one before many times. Our dad would always tell that joke, and his point was that's what we're going to be doing for eternity. And so you know, we do look forward to that, and we basically got a head start on it this week. We're practicing, that is for sure. Well, I trust that you had a great Thanksgiving day and uh, Friday weekend time as we're getting ready for the reason to be thankful, which is the season coming up ahead of us here. Uh, Christmas, and um, we also have the Jewish holiday of Hanukkah that we will be talking about. Not today, but as we approach Hanukkah, we'll be talking about the reason for the Festival of Lights. Rick, we've been looking forward to this program for a long time because we have a new project. It's the last project that we did with Dr. Jimmy DeYoung, and it's a project on the destiny of America. That's right, Jimmy, and talking about Thanksgiving. We were thankful to work on many projects with Prophecy Today and with Dad, and this is the final one. It's basically the the last one of the trilogy that started with Presidents, Politics, and Prophecy. Then we talked about Is the USA in Bible Prophecy? And the final one here, The Destiny of America, and it's a very timely DVD and it's a very timely video. We're excited to talk about it today. Yes. You know that what I thought about this program, and we're going to play a clip of it in our program so you get an idea of what it's about and the people that will be on it. But uh, we look at the rebellion, the revolution, the rapture. In fact, I think on the program it's called Insurrection, Infiltration, and Imminent. Our dad loved alliteration, and we're looking forward to that today on the program. Well, we do have our regular broadcast partners that we need to get to looking at and examining current events. On the geopolitical scene, Ken Timmerman is our guy. Let's go to Ken. Ken Timmerman joins us today. He's our expert on geopolitical affairs and a frequent contributor to the program. Ken, thank you for joining us today. Uh, Rick, it's a pleasure to be with you. Thanks for having me. Well, Ken, we'll begin with the Russia-Ukraine crisis, and it looks like the success of Ukraine against Russia seems to be a top priority of many of those in the Biden administration, including U.S. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin, who said on Saturday that the Russian invasion of Ukraine has offered a preview of a possible world of tyranny and turmoil. Uh, Rick, I am very suspicious of General Austin. He has been an advocate of wars for 40 years. This is a man who personifies the military-industrial complex. He was working for private defense contractors before he came back to the Pentagon. He's somebody who believes that America should be engaged in wars overseas, whether it's Iraq, Afghanistan, or now in Ukraine. So I am a little bit little bit suspicious about Lloyd Austin. Now, here's what he said, okay? He said that Russia's war crimes in Ukraine give us a foretaste of what could be potential global tyranny. I think those are pretty loaded words, and I would actually draw a very different conclusion from this war in Ukraine. I think Russia has certainly 
committed war crimes. I don't think there's much doubt as to that. But uh, is Russia on its way towards world domination? I don't think so. I think, if anything, this war in Ukraine has shown us the limits of Putin's ability to make good on his ambitions. Now, his real ambition, let's not forget it here, it's not to take over Europe. This is not the old Soviet Union that wants to go through the fold of gap, storm through Germany, and make it to the Atlantic coast, right, to the British Channel, and take all of Europe. That's not what Putin wants to do. His goal all along, and by the way, he's told us this all along, is to have Ukraine be neutered. He wants uh, Ukraine to be a neutral state, a buffer state in between Russia and NATO. And during the Trump administration, that's pretty much the way it was, and Putin stayed on his side of the border. But now we have, this is my opinion here, but I believe we have these warmongers in the Pentagon and elsewhere in Washington, D.C., running the show, and they would like to get us into a larger conflict with Russia. I think it's very dangerous, uh, and I think it's something that we really have to watch out for. Let me just say one more thing about this. Austin also warned about the threat of nuclear proliferation being unleashed by this Russian invasion of Ukraine. I would argue that no, the threat of nuclear proliferation is not being fueled by Putin, it's being fueled by Biden and their policies in Iran and their policies towards communist China. Why do I say this? Because they are driving Iran to a nuclear weapons capability. They are doing nothing to slow them down. Just this past week, the Iranians announced that they were enriching uranium up to 60% in their underground Fordow facility. There are two other facilities where they are also enriching uranium to 60%. That is pretty much weapons grade, okay? And in China, where the Biden people have done nothing to deter communist China, now they are talking openly of a Chinese invasion of Taiwan in the next 18 months. Now, nuclear proliferation, where do you think that might happen? How about Taiwan? How about Japan? How about South Korea? How about Australia? These are countries that might now be tempted to acquire nuclear weapons. And, and you know, the Japanese used to joke during the Cold War when somebody, a, a journalist once said to them, well, we, we've been told it would take you six months to acquire nuclear weapons if you actually had a program. And the Japanese foreign minister turned to the reporter and laughed. And he said, really? That long? So these are countries that could acquire nuclear weapons very quickly because of they are advanced technology states. Uh, so I think uh, Lloyd Austin uh, is really misleading the American public, and I think it's quite dangerous. Well, Ken, I tend to agree with you. And, you know, we're not pro-Putin. We're not pro-Russia necessarily, pro the Russian people, yes, but not pro-Putin. We both know that he's a brutal dictator, but there is also the possibility that other people are using this crisis to their own ends, and we need to be aware of that. Well, uh, speaking of controlling Putin, it looks like the European Union is taking their shot at, I guess, trying to put Putin into a box. How's that working out? <laughs> well, he has put Putin into a box. I'm, I'm afraid it's not working so well. They declared uh, Russia a state sponsor of terrorism in the European Parliament on Wednesday, the day before our Thanksgiving, which, of course, they don't celebrate. And uh, the, the Russians responded uh, almost immediately with a massive cyber attack on the European Parliament. Now, here's the ultimate irony is that that declaration by the by the European Parliament that Russia is a state sponsor of terrorism is meaningless. They have, they have no legal framework 
to give teeth to that declaration. We do here in the United States. If we declare a nation such as Iran or in the past Iraq or Syria, a state sponsor of terrorism, there are all kinds of things that kick in from the Treasury Department, from the State Department. Their, their officials can't come here. Their bank accounts are frozen. They can't use the central bank. They can't use New York for dollar transfers, all kinds of things. The Europeans don't have that kind of legislative structure. So what they did is they made an empty statement <laughs> declaring Russia as a terrorist state and then get very surprised when Putin says, oh, this is really insulting. And they launch this and the Russians launch a cyber attack on the European Parliament. So kind of, I would say, not so smart. Well, Ken, another unintended consequence, I would guess, of trying to isolate Putin and his Russian strategy against Ukraine it certainly looks like we are pushing them closer and closer to their allies. One of those allies, as we know, is Iran. And a, and a stronger alliance between Russia and Iran can be very dangerous, can't it? Uh, it can be dangerous. It has been dangerous. And uh, as I write in my new book, and the rest is history, tales of hostages, arms dealers, dirty tricks, and spies, the Russians have been trying to get into Iran and into the Islamic regime in Iran since the 1980s, since the mid-1980s. Uh, they were very, very eager to get the Iranian Air Force to change its force from a U.S.-supplied Air Force, they had F-14s and F-4s, to a Soviet-supplied force with MiG-29s and Sukhoi-35s. Guess what? That's where the Iranians are today. They're now buying military jets, combat aircraft from Russia. They're buying other weapons from Russia, the S-300s, the S-400s, these air defense missiles. They are, as we've discussed last week, selling their own drones, uh, sort of light technology drones, but in large quantities to Russia because the Russians have run out of them in Ukraine. This is not just a military relationship between Russia and Iran. It is a strategic relationship, and it is something that I think will have long-lasting consequences because, don't forget, China is also part of this equation. So you have really Russia, Iran, and China, uh, and we are not in a position right now to block them. Well, Ken, I know time is short and you have to go, but I'm so glad you brought up your book. We just finished with the Thanksgiving Day festivities, and now we're looking towards Christmas. And first of all, I guess I'd love to hear what you were thankful about on Thanksgiving Day, but also your book. It could be a great Christmas present for some of those in our listening audience. Can you tell us a little bit more about your book and how you can get it? Well, start with Thanksgiving, and I praise the Lord every day for have, having saved me from times Amen. of peril <laughs> and moments of peril. Uh, I tell you, uh, I, I sometimes feel that he has a whole company of angels that are swarming around <laughs> him uh, to keep me out of uh, very, very bad places. Uh, the book you can get from my website, from Amazon. Uh, my website is kentimmerman.com. And you can also get, if you go there, you can sign up for my weekly emails. I talk a little bit about this show and what we're going to talk about on the show. And But I talk about other things as well, uh, things that are in the news. Uh, and it's for people who listen to the show, uh, people who uh, uh, want to keep abreast of geopolitical uh, events. So it's kentimmerman.com. Well, Ken, we are thankful for the insight that you bring to Prophecy today, and we're thankful for those angels that are working overtime to keep you safe. Thanks for all that you do, and we'll look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks so much, Rick. Praise the Lord. Well, we have to take a break, and when we come back, our Middle East News Update with David Dolan, right here on Prophecy Today Weekend.
I'm Ruth Kramer with Mission Network News. The protests in Iran have captured headlines since September, but increasing persecution of Iranian Christians has largely gone unnoticed. And that's on purpose, says Nazanin Bagastani. She works with Heart for Iran's Mohabbat TV. After police raid houses, they warn Christians not to tell anyone. They see Christianity as a threat to the stability of the Islamic Republic. Thank God for the faithfulness of Iran's believers and ask him to strengthen them as they face rampant persecution. And what's the unlikeliest place for a church? A Ukrainian pastor started one at a lonely, open-air bus stop. Eric Mock of the Slava Gospel Association says it all began with one couple, discouraged and broken down by alcohol addiction. Jesus has completely transformed their lives, and the congregation has grown. SGA stands behind over 350 missionaries all over the former Soviet Union. Ask God to strengthen them. Mission Network News, a service of One Way Ministries. I'm Ruth Kramer. The book of Revelation is God's final word to man and the timeline of the last days revealed to the Christians. This symbolism-filled example of apocalyptic literature can be difficult to understand, especially when simply reading it from beginning to end. Dr. Jimmy DeYoung's latest book, Revelation, A Chronology, takes a walk through the prophetic book of Revelation in the order that the events will take place, chronologically, sharing insights into its true meaning and doing so in an easy-to-understand and practical way. If you have difficulty understanding the book of Revelation, get your copy of Revelation, A Chronology, and let Dr. Jimmy DeYoung aid you in your understanding of this profound end-times prophecy book that God has preserved in His scriptures for Christians in the last days. To order your copy of Jimmy D. Young's Revelation, a chronology, call us toll-free at 877-674-3298 or visit our website at prophecytoday.com. Welcome back to Prophecy Today Radio, the program that looks at current events in the light of Bible prophecy. Well, this is the segment of our program where we do our Middle East news update. And joining us on this post-Thanksgiving edition of that update is Dave Dolan. Dave, thank you for joining us. And a happy post-Thanksgiving to you and all the listeners. <laughs> very well, Dave. Well, Thanksgiving is typically a very special and a happy time here in the United States. Unfortunately, I have to start this program on a much more somber note. As we were talking about off-air, David, there has been several very serious attacks in Jerusalem, in Israel, terror attacks. Can you give us an update on what's going on? Well, Rick, it's a very serious situation. It's the first time we've had a bus uh, station, a bus stop, I should say, attacked in by a bomb in some years in Jerusalem. There were twin attacks within a half hour of each other, so they were obviously coordinated, and uh, probably a terror team carried them out. The uh, authorities are saying they suspect Islamic Jihad, the Iranian-backed terror group based in Damascus, with, of course, a lot of activity in the Gaza Strip and elsewhere, carried out the attack. They're uh, doing a lot of research on that, but uh, one was right next to the central bus station, you know it well, at the entrance of Jerusalem. A bomb went off there and packed with nails and other uh, metal objects, and that killed a 16-year-old Canadian-Israeli boy, Aryeh Shupak, who was on his way to Yeshiva, a a Jewish seminary school where he attended uh, to pray and study. He was killed and others were injured, including an 18-year-old female American Israeli uh, gal whose father works for the Jerusalem Post. 
newspaper. And most of the victims, uh, there were over 20 injured in the twin attacks. Thank God nobody else was killed, but several are in critical condition and are expected to pass, or at least their lives will never be back to normal, and several others in serious condition. Most just were wounded by the nails and that, and uh, they were lighter injuries, thank God. But the prime minister uh, met with senior security officials in Tel Aviv soon after the attack with the defense minister and others. The IDF chief of staff was on a uh, business trip in the United States. He immediately left for Israel because, Rick, there is concern that this uh, may just be part of an Iranian wave of attacks being planned through their surrogate forces, Islamic Jihad and Hamas, and possibly Hezbollah. That came after, on Tuesday, a senior revolutionary, Iranian Revolutionary Guards Corps leader was killed south of Damascus. Iran is blaming Israel for that. The man, by the way, was an expert in Iranian drones that are being used in the war in Ukraine and elsewhere. Uh, Iran also blamed Israel for its loss at the World Cup to England, a 6-2 loss earlier in the week, saying that because Israel and Iran, Israel and the United States and Britain are stirring up trouble inside of Iran and the riots that are continuing there, uh, that this distracted their team. So there's a lot of rhetoric against Israel and concern that this may be the beginning of another wave of attacks upon civilians. And most of them were young people. It's the young people that mostly use the bus systems, as you know, in Israel. And a very tragic uh, day, but uh, hopefully there'll be no further attacks there. But, Rick, there was one other very odd, uh, strange thing happened. A Israeli Druze young man, not even 20 years old, was uh, involved in a car crash in northern Samaria earlier in the week. And he was taken to a hospital in Jenin, where he was placed on life support systems, but he was still alive. And 20 uh, Palestinians, they say, around 20, stormed into the hospital after the news reported that he was an Israeli citizen. Many of the Israeli Druze serve in the Israeli army. We don't know if this man did, the young man did, but... They came in, they pulled out his support uh, structure in front of his parents, took his body, and uh, he was still alive, but took him, and of course he died quickly after that, took him into a refugee camp there in Janine. And when the PA, the Palestinian Authority, tried to send an ambulance in to get his body for burial in his Israeli town, they were stopped by the Palestinians there, armed Palestinians, and again, Islamic Jihad is said to be behind all of this. So a lot of tension in the area for sure, but good, good place for prayer. I guess. It is an excellent time for prayer, David. And these are heartbreaking stories, tough to even listen to some of them. Now, I do know that Hamas and Islamic Jihad are actually celebrating these attacks and issuing statements saying to the effect that this is a natural response to the quote-unquote occupation. They are, Rick, and they both, uh, both groups are releasing statements saying that it's further to avenge uh, Israeli stormings of the Temple Mount, as they call it. We've discussed that a lot in recent months. So they're linking it directly to uh, the Temple Mount. We've had over 34 
people killed, 32 of them Israelis in terror attacks this year. Um, there was a, a three more killed last week in northern Samaria, stabbed to death, and uh, just a very, very tense situation. But uh, again, we may be looking at a new uprising, or we may be looking, as many of the security experts think, maybe the case that Iran is pushing to start a new major conflict to divert attention from the uh, continuing um, crisis inside its own country, where during that football match, uh, soccer, we would call it an America match, uh, many Iranians in coffee shops, et cetera, were cheering for the British team, not their own Iranian team, as a protest against their own Islamic extremist government. So a lot of tensions there. And uh, meanwhile, they're concerned there may be a terror attack launched against the World Cup set in the Gulf, in the Persian Gulf. But many world leaders expressed condolences over uh, the terror attacks this week, Rick, uh, including from Turkey, from the United Arab Emirates, and uh, from all over the world. So uh, at least there's some support for Israel in that way. But trying times for people. I've covered many of those terror attacks over the years in in Israel and several of them bus bombings and very traumatic, of course, for the people uh, of, uh, of Israel. It is, David. And as you said, an excellent time for prayer. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem, but pray for the peace of all of Israel as well during these troubled times. Well, David, for my last question, I'd like to turn our attention to the recently completed holiday of Thanksgiving. And you and I both know that we have so much to be thankful for. I certainly have a lot to be thankful for. I have beautiful family. I have an opportunity to share the prophetic good news on this radio program and through our ministry at Prophecy Today. I'd love to hear, David, first of all, what you're thankful for, but also you spent 30 years in Israel, an area that doesn't necessarily celebrate Thanksgiving. Do you have any interesting stories, David, just telling us what it was like to be celebrating Thanksgiving in Israel? Well, we did celebrate Thanksgiving when we could, uh, Rick. When I say we, I mean my American friends that uh, were living there, and many of my friends were Americans most of them dual Israeli citizens as well. And I went out to dinner with uh, two young male friends. We were just uh, in our mid-20s then, to the American Colony Hotel, which is in East Jerusalem, Arab-run hotel, uh, very famous in history. A lot of uh, world leaders have been there, etc. And they advertised they were doing a Thanksgiving meal. So we were there, and the first course was shrimp. And it went downhill from there. It was very much not a traditional Thanksgiving dinner at all. There were no cranberries. They did have some dry turkey, but they also had pork and some other things on the menu. And in the middle of the meal, right next door to the hotel is a mosque. The mosque minaret went off with the call to prayer very loudly, and we all burst out laughing, not just us, but the other Americans in there, all of us realizing this was hardly a traditional meal, but we still gave thanks for it, and I'm thankful as you are for the life that God's given us, and thankful that I was able to spend over 30 years in Israel and report from there, even though most of the news was bad, uh, knowing that uh, this is prophecy fulfilled, that the Jewish people are returning to their ancient homeland, and that the Lord appears as the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, ruling from Jerusalem. That's the final outcome of 
of Israel's restoration that we're currently seeing. So the enemies rage, but the Lord reigns. Very well said, David. Well, we are thankful for your efforts to keep our listeners informed of events taking place in Israel and throughout the Middle East. We appreciate what you do and look forward to talking to you again soon. It is a blessing to do it. God bless, Ray. We're going to take a break right now on Prophecy Today Radio, but when we come back, Jimmy and I are going to be looking at our latest DVD video project entitled Destiny of America. This is the last project we did with our father, the late Dr. Jimmy DeYoung, and it features him as well as Jimmy and several of the guests that you hear on this program every week. Ken Timmerman, Bob McGinnis, they're all on this. We're going to play some excerpts from this DVD, so you won't want to miss that. Stay tuned right here on Prophecy Today Radio. Have you ever wanted to visit Israel and trace the footsteps of Jesus? With Rick and Jim's VIP trips, you'll see Israel past, present, and prophetic. Our VIP trips are typically smaller groups of 8 to 12 people. This smaller group size allows us to spend more one-on-one time answering your questions and personalizing our tour. It is a very intimate experience. You'll visit each site with Bible in hand as we take the time not to only visit the sites, but to help you understand their importance to our biblical heritage and to our prophetic future. We will place special emphasis on the eternal city of Jerusalem, the most important city in the world, and the place from where Jesus will rule and reign one day. We can also customize our trip for your family or small group. Please call Joshua Travel today and see how we can make your trip extra special. Call 423-821-3635 or visit us online at joshuatravel.com. Welcome back to Prophecy Today. I'm Jimmy DeYoung Jr. And along with Rick, we have been looking at current events in the light of God's prophetic word. Man, when you talk about Ken Timmerman and looking at geopolitical events around the world, when you look at what's taking place, what the world is talking about, then when you look at Dave Dolan and you listen to what he says, Rick, it's really interesting to see how close that we are getting to the very last days. And today we're coming to this portion of the program where we'd like to preview Premiere Destiny of America. That's right, Jimmy, and we're excited to do this. This was, uh, like I said, our final project with our dad. But we feel it's very timely because we're looking at the subject of what is America's role in Bible prophecy. We talked about that in the previous videos, and we say, what is happening to America? Well, we see what is happening to America. That is also what is taking place in the world today. So many things aligning, coming together that are pointing towards the rapture of the church. That's one of the reasons why we focused on this. Let me remind you that this video was shot just about 2020 as COVID was coming into place and uh, we went into lockdown. We've been working on it over these years and it's very interesting, timely, how the very topics that we're covering uh, are the very topics of what's very important in the future here in the days in which we're living now, correct, Rick? That's right. We look at some of the unrest that's taking place in America, some of the, I guess I would call it anti-God behavior that's taking place in America. We talk about that and and how that could lead to America's demise, potentially. We also talk about the threats, external threats from Russia and China. 
of course, these things have not changed, even though these topics are continuing to be very pertinent. Yes. Well, today's preview of this DVD project that will be out, that will be available, is something that you can use to pass to other people. And we do give a clear presentation at the end of the DVD, uh, looking at prophecy, the where the rapture came from, the second coming, and how people can come to know the Lord. So it would be a great project for you. We have a special uh, offer for you at the end of today's program for you to get this DVD and help our ministry out. Well, without further delay, let's get into the preview of The Destiny of America. God established America with a purpose in mind to have the prophetic scenario of God's Word come to fulfillment. But the United States is not mentioned in Bible prophecy. Since America is not mentioned in Bible prophecy, we must ask a question. How does it disappear? The Communist Party dissolved in Russia, but that effort to weaken America did not. When I go and travel and speak, I ask the question, how many of you have heard that Islam is a religion of peace? Everybody raises their hand. We are in the midst of a spiritual war. We only have one hope, and that is through Christ today. The Lord used a principle that he laid out through the Apostle John in Revelation chapter 17, where he said, the Lord will put into the hearts and minds political leaders to make decisions that will set in place the prophetic scenario for the end times. Having established that the United States is not in Bible prophecy, we had to say, well, where is the United States or how does it disappear? The first possibility of an internal threat could be insurrection, a violent uprising against authority or government. The United States of America is unraveling for all the world to see as race riots leave many of the nation's biggest cities burning in almost unimaginable scenes. In the summer of 2020, we had all of these riots and looting and burning after the George Floyd death. People have a constitutional right to demonstrate. They have a constitutional right to speak their opinion, their views, even if they're not popular and even if they're hateful. What we have today with Black Lives Matter and Antifa, as many politicians have said, this is not demonstrations. This is anarchy. And in fact, what many of them are involved in is treason, subversion, because what they're trying to do is overthrow our government, our form of government, a constitutional republic based on the law of the divine, private property, private ownership, and move us to a Marxist or socialist system of big government where government is in charge of everything and government becomes the god of the people. And if we had an FBI that wasn't as corrupt as the people on the street, they would be prosecuting these people under the federal law. But sadly, now we have the CIA, the FBI, the DHS, many of these agencies themselves are involved in treason, subversion, lawlessness. So instead of pitting people against each other over economics, what they started to do is pit each other over people groups. So now we're going to make everybody that's a Christian or a capitalist or embraces a Judeo-Christian worldview out to be a racist. What they have done is they have taken race and they've weaponized race. As Christians, we believe the Bible says in Acts 
that we are of one blood. There's only one race, the human race. Okay? There are many people groups, but only one race, the human race. Black lives matter, of course they do. But if you say all lives matter, we're now supposedly being a racist. And who wants to be called a racist? So if you are for national sovereignty, borders, then what they'll say is, well, you want to keep brown people out. The fact is, the women and children at the border are not a security threat. They are a humanitarian challenge, a challenge that President Trump's own cruel and counterproductive policies have only deepened. These are basically lies uh, supported more than anything else by prejudice, namely racism and xenophobia. So everything they do, they couch in race so that people will sit down and shut up. And that's how communism always takes over. The American people know these names have to go. These names are white supremacists that uh, said terrible things about our country. This is like over 100 years after World War II. The majority have been intimidated into silence. And the only way to stop that is to fight back with the truth. Truth is the kryptonite to the brainwashing operation, the psychological warfare, the disinformation. People have to get where they don't care what's said about them. If you can't stand up to words and insults, how are you going to stand up to what's coming? According to our experts, America could collapse through infiltration. And there are two major subversive threats to America. That would be Russia and China. First, we'll look at Russia. Could Russia overthrow America? Russia is the only country militarily somewhat on a par with America today. This is purely because the Russians have nuclear weapons. What we've seen is a steady advance of Russian influence in the Middle East. Now remember, if you go back to the 80s, Russia was there, right? Russia was in Syria, Russia was in Iraq, uh, Russia was in Libya. They had allies all across the Middle East. Russia was in bed with all of those regimes that were opposing Israel and that were opposing the United States. But they lost that with the collapse of the Soviet Union. And over the past, I'd say, again, five to six years, they have been building back. The war in Syria has been tremendously important for Russia to test new military capabilities, which they have been doing steadily. Uh, we see weapons being deployed to Syria to put, put them on field trial, essentially. So Russia is using the Middle East to test its military, to develop uh, new weapons, and to test them, and to expand its political influence. Eastern Europe is free. The Soviet Union itself is no more. This is a victory for democracy and freedom. The Soviet Union collapsed, and the Russians, perhaps somewhat to their surprise, uh, discovered that the captive peoples and the captive republics of the Soviet Empire didn't particularly like them. So they've had a hard time rebuilding any kind of Soviet Empire. Look at the tension between Ukraine, their nearest neighbor, and Russia. Uh, so they've not been able to rebuild the Soviet Empire, which is one reason why I don't think they will challenge the United States. They're too small. Uh, and their population is shrinking, it's aging and it's shrinking. And they do not have this enormous hinterland that they used to have. They don't have these buffer zones that they used to have. Uh, but what I think Putin is trying to do is to uh, build back the Russian economy, 
through arms sales and through natural resource sales, oil and gas in particular, and to re-cement political alliances in places like Syria, Egypt. He's moved into Egypt, surprisingly. Putin is a Slavophile. He is somebody who believes in a kind of Slavic empire. And it's never been the Chinese that threatened that. It was always the Western European powers or the United States. Under Putin's authoritarian reign, they have spent $650 billion restoring and renewing their conventional military forces as well as their nuclear forces. So they have a military capability today to wage utter war against America should they choose. I just don't believe that Russia's leaders want to do that. They don't need to. They need America to become weaker than America is today. They need America's alliances to be frayed at the edges. Uh, they need uh, America to doubt in its own power and its own legitimacy. And by the way, the Russians have been working at this, the Soviets have been working at this for 70 years. Their covert intelligence operations against us that began in the 20s uh, were aimed at a long-term effort. It began as a Russian Communist Party effort to weaken America, to make Americans doubt their system, to make Americans doubt our freedoms, to make Americans doubt the legitimacy of our government, they infiltrated the school systems, first the universities, then the high schools, and then the primary schools. And we are seeing the results of it today in a whole generation of young people who've been brought up to reject America and the American ideal, who do not understand that the Constitution of the United States is the greatest document of freedom and governance ever written in the history of the world. They believe it's a document of oppression and of slavery that was the KGB view, and unfortunately, it's become the, the view of the teachers' unions in the United States of America. The strategy of choice and competition is a strategy of winners and losers. We need to make all kids winners. The strategy of choice and competition works in the private sector, but not for the public schools. American Federation of Teachers President Randy Weigarten, thank you for that perspective. Many intelligence agencies tell us that China is the number one threat to America, that is, communist China. What part does communism actually play in the collapse of the United States? The Chinese Communist Party has openly declared that they believe they have the right and the destiny to become the world's hegemon. That's the term they use, the world's hegemon by 2049. In other words, 100 years after the Chinese Communist Revolution. They believe it's almost a divine right that they have. They have uh, ambitions to take over the world. And at this rate, they will do that unless we reverse course. In response to House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's controversial recent trip, the Chinese government fired off 11 weaponized ballistic missiles toward Taiwan. Four of them went right over the top of the island into the sea. They want to take Taiwan. They believe Hong Kong is part of China. They believe the South part of China Sea uh, are Chinese territorial waters. They have rapidly advanced their capability. Uh, they exceed the United States on three fronts. Naval forces, 
ballistic missiles and cruise missiles, air defense systems. However, for China to militarily overthrow the United States at this point is unlikely at this point. They do not need to attack us militarily. I don't believe they want to attack us militarily. It's way too expensive and it doesn't go along with their philosophy. If you go back to Sun Tzu, you do not engage an enemy militarily if you can defeat them with other means. China's unconventional warfare takes all the levers of power of a country. So biologically, ideologically, economically, to try to cripple, to overcome the United States. China may also have an edge when it comes to how wars are fought in the 21st century. The Chinese literally have a full scope assault with the goal of taking everything they can possibly take from us. Their ability to manipulate the marketplace has been very, very effective. What the Chinese have done over the last number of decades is that they've attracted a lot of American jobs. And they've also used their access to our research and development, science and technology, our university systems research, to vacuum up expertise that we have in this country, send it over there, turn it into products, and then sell it to us. They came in and, and took pictures and measurements of all the equipment that was used to fabricate that and actually sent that back to China is what I found. And one was built in, in uh, uh, Rupang's old lab. Is that ethical? Uh, it sounds like theft to me. I don't know. One of the most significant things I think President Trump did was actually in his final days of office when he put out an executive order that forbade uh, investment by Americans in Chinese military companies. Now you say, well, why, why would we want to do that? Well, because the Chinese military companies are masquerading in many cases as civilian aerospace companies. And if Boeing and Lockheed Martin and other companies want to do business in China, they've got to invest in these Chinese aerospace companies. Well, in fact, they're Chinese military companies. President Trump forbade that. He said, no, you can't do that anymore. One of the first things Joe Biden did as president was to reverse that order. The Chinese are also raising money on our stock exchange, and they've been doing this for 25 years since Bill Clinton. I warned about this 25 years ago. And now, you see, it's not just Alibaba, it's not just Baidu or others. There's hundreds of Chinese companies on the stock exchanges here in the United States getting access to our capital markets without uh, submitting themselves to the type of transparency that makes our markets more secure than those in other countries. So the Chinese economic clout has grown over the past two to three decades, uh, and they are trying to use it for their strategic purpose. Nowhere do we see this more than in the emphasis on 5G. And so the Chinese are using 5G to gain a backdoor access into all communications in the United States and in the West. It's tremendously dangerous. And under President Biden, they have an open door. We'll confront China's economic abuses, counter its aggressive, coercive action to push back on China's attack on human rights, intellectual property, and global governance. But we are ready to work with Beijing when it's in America's interest to do so. The Chinese are pervasive uh, in this culture. Uh, if you immigrate from China, 
uh, the chances are that you are going to either directly or indirectly spy for the Chinese communists. In the past couple of years, we've gone over there to Beijing uh, and people in my office. And when we come back, we basically discard all our electronics because we figure that they are, they are compromised. They manipulate our country through our education establishment. If you go back in the history of the American education system, John Dewey back in the 1930s, he brought over uh, in 1933, 34, uh, what's called the Frankfurt School. They were all communist ideologues. And so where did he place them? He placed them in the Princetons, the Yales, the Harvards, and of course in Hollywood. Hollywood has bowed to the communist Chinese in terms of censorship because they make more money in China than they do in the United States and in the Western world. The Hollywood uh, studios want access to 1.4 billion people. So they censor out anything that the communist Chinese don't want in a movie or a television broadcast and the like. Arguably, COVID-19 uh, was weaponized by President Xi back in January of 2020 and was applied in a very effective way uh, against the United States. This woman apparently being taken against her will by China's newly deployed quarantine squads. A man also pulled from the apartment, forcibly taken down the stairs. Biological warfare is something that uh, has really shown the kinks in our armor. Right now in the United States, the situation still is a low risk for the American public. But then again, that could change. And that's the thing we have to keep our eye out for. The Chinese knew that COVID was transmissible and it, and it could be deadly by the end of December 2019. They kept that secret and lied to the WHO and to the United States for six weeks. They kept on telling the WHO, we can see that in tweets from the WHO up until the end of January, COVID is not transmissible human to human. That's what the Chinese are telling us. They knew that was a lie. Now, why did they do that? I believe they did it because they realized if they kept COVID inside China by closing their borders and dealing with the pandemic there, it was a Chinese problem. But if COVID escaped to the rest of the world, it became the world's problem and China could be part of the solution. And in addition to that, we have responded in a manner to destroy, to self-destruct our economy, and in many cases, our society. Left-wing leaders shut down the schools. Do you think that helps the United States? Is that a Chinese goal? Is that what they sought to do actively? I don't know. But it definitely, objectively, serves their interest. Forcing 300,000 of the city's 1.1 million students back to online learning full time. And I want to emphasize to parents, to educators, to staff, to kids that we intend to come back and come back as quickly as possible. What the Chinese communists truly want is a one party ruled United States. And the Democratic Party is well on the way to doing that. We'll be a, we'll be a nation of unity, of hope, of optimism. Not a nation of anger, violence, hatred, and division. Trump and the extreme MAGA Republicans have made their choice. You have well-known Democratic Party members in Washington, D.C. that have been compromised. Everybody knows about President Biden's son and how he's been compromised through not only his relationships in Ukraine, but especially in China. 
The analysis found millions of dollars flowing to Hunter Biden and his company. A big chunk of it came from Chinese partners. Was, was it press? appropriate to bury the Hunter Biden? You're talking about the press doing the, that? He's saying that's what they did, and that is what they did. They buried the Hunter Biden story before the election because they were like, we can't risk having the election thrown to Trump. We'll tell them after the election. And, and we know for a fact that that's what they did? Of course. You no, don't but follow I mean, this? Saying you, you know for a fact that that's what they did? I don't know what they did. I know, because you only watch MSNBC. No, that's not true. You know about people on the Hill and local officials all over the nation that are in the pocket of the communist Chinese. The Chinese have infiltrated the United States uh, probably as deep as possible. We have uh, tens of thousands of Chinese spies here. Uh, we have them in the Confucius Institutes and hundreds of universities. And basically, they are a spy network there. The Trump administration emptied out a consulate in Houston because it was a spy haven being used to suck up intellectual material uh, but really, the center of mass of Chinese spying is either here in Washington or in San Francisco. Dianne Feinstein had a Chinese spy driving her for 20 years. Representative Swalwell was sleeping with a Chinese spy, and they certainly helped finance his campaign. And of course, Nancy Pelosi has allowed him to continue to serve in the highly sensitive intelligence committee in the House of Representatives. Russia and China and others, they don't like us to a certain degree because we represent uh, democratic values, human rights, uh, religious freedom, the very values that a, a Marxist government cannot embrace. Communism originates, of course, from Marxism. Marxism first calls for the embracement of socialism, and socialism is on the track to communism. Uh, socialism is where the government owns all property, uh, the government makes all the decisions for you. Uh, and then communism uh, happens because socialism uh, denies private property, and people don't tolerate that. Uh, they want civil liberties, and so government has to step in and enforce and take away private property from individuals. Now, the only reason that communist China has survived is because they began to embrace aspects of capitalism. Capitalism says if you uh, invest and make a profit, you get to keep some of that. But the Chinese Communist Party will not tolerate uh, anything other than uh, complete obedience. And so, you know, though they have certain sectors of modern day uh, communist China that are prosperous, uh, many of those are owned by government. And those that are not owned by government, the, the people uh, that own those companies are subservient to what the Communist Chinese Party has in mind. These people want to dictate every aspect of one's existence, your job, your education, how many children you have, what you believe, what you don't believe. Every aspect is what they have every intention of doing. They say that in their own literature. Why don't we believe them? In a freedom-loving country, you don't want to think the worst. You better start thinking the worst. These people want to defeat the United States. 
they'll destroy everything they possibly can in order to take over. If you think what is going on with the Uyghurs, re-education camps, massive rape and torture, they would do precisely that to this country. They hate us. They hate people of conscience. They hate Christians especially. We have documented over 1,600 churches with their crosses were being burnt, destroyed, and destructed. Well, that was a clip from our latest video, The Destiny of America. It's a very timely video. It's something that we want to get out to as many people as possible. And in order to do so, what we'd like to do is offer this DVD slash Blu-ray combo package for a gift of any amount. If you call us at 423-825-6247, and we'd send you this video for a donation or gift of any amount. Well, that's a great offer, Rick. And I sure do appreciate the fact that people will support us through this and This is a way of sharing the gospel message with others, using Bible prophecy to help people to understand the times in which we're living. Well, we're going to have to take a break. And interestingly enough, the program today coming up on the Legacy Series with Dr. Jimmy DeYoung is where he answers the most asked question in Bible prophecy. Is the United States in Bible prophecy? So we're looking forward to the Legacy Series today with Dr. Jimmy DeYoung. That's all coming up right here on Prophecy Today Weekend. back to Prophecy Today. I'm Jimmy DeYoung Jr. Along with Rick, we've been examining current events in the light of God's prophetic word. The last half hour, we were previewing our new DVD that is out already, and we are looking forward to you watching The Destiny of America. We are offering it for a gift of any amount. If you want to call our office at 423-825-6247-423-825-6247. 6247. We'd love to send it to you. Yes, we sure would, Rick. And that would be something that would be, I think people are going to really enjoy. And it can be used. You watch it and then give it away as an evangelistic tool. Well, on the Legacy Series today with Dr. Jimmy DeYoung, the most asked question in prophecy Q&A at Bible conferences, where is the United States in Bible prophecy? And that's what we're going to tackle today with Dr. Jimmy DeYoung and the Legacy Series. But when I open up the floor for Bible prophecy questions, I'm always asked, where is the United States in Bible prophecy? Where is the United States? The other day I was in a meeting down south and I opened up for prophecy Q&A and somebody asked that question and before I could give the answer, a guy in the back said, hey, I know. I normally do not give, you know, any leeway for anybody in the audience to respond to the question. But this guy was rather overbearing. So I just said, okay, sir, where do you think the United States is in Bible prophecy? He said, I don't think, Sonny, I know. I said, okay, where is it? Jerusalem. I said, sir, the question is, where is the United States? Hey, I know the question, Sonny. Uh, The answer is Jerusalem. I said, how do you get that, sir? He said, it's very simple. J-E-R-U-S-A-L-E-M. And I left just like you did. But that is the answer. 
That is the answer. If the United States is in Bible prophecy, it has a relationship with Jerusalem. I'll get to that in a few moments. Let's take our Bibles, though, and go to the book of Genesis, because I want to look this morning with you at the origins of states, the origins of nations. You know, the first 12 chapters of the book of Genesis is key to our understanding of not only the entire word of God, but Bible prophecy. The book of Genesis is a foundation for Bible prophecy. Everything in the first 12 chapters that is laid out there is the genesis of understanding all of Bible prophecy. Genesis, the first 12 chapters, goes like this. Genesis 1 is creation. Genesis 2, the special effects or details of creation. Genesis 3 is the fall of man. Genesis 4 is the story of Cain and Abel. Genesis 5 is a genealogy from Adam to Noah. Genesis 6, 7, and 8 is Noah and the flood. Genesis 9 is Noah after the flood. Genesis 10, another genealogy. Genesis chapter 11 is the Tower of Babel, and chapter 12, call of Abraham out of Ur the Chaldees. And in those 12 chapters, you have 2,000 years of history, 2,000 years from Genesis 1 to Genesis 12. It lays out the foundation of all of Bible prophecy. Now, remember I said Genesis chapters 6, 7, and 8 would be Noah and the flood. Genesis chapter 9 is Noah after the flood. Look at chapter 9 just a moment with me, and let me show you what God says to Noah and his three sons and their four wives after the flood is over. They've landed on the mountains of Ararat, which would be eastern Turkey, uh, right over near the Russian border. And here's what the Lord says to Noah, chapter 9 and verse 1. And God blessed Noah and his sons, and he said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply, and replenish the earth. Replenish the earth, or repeople the earth. There were approximately those who make up these statistics, approximately 1 billion people on the earth from the time of creation until the time of Noah's flood. 1 billion people were killed with the exception of eight souls, Noah, Shem, Ham, and Jephthah, his three sons, and their four wives. Those are the only eight souls remaining after this great judgment of a worldwide flood. Now the Lord tells Noah and his sons and their wives, be fruitful, multiply, and repeople the earth. Chapter 10 is the beginning of at least the obedience of these men having relations with their women and moving forward to ex do exactly what the Lord said, repeople the earth. Chapter 10 and verse 1. Now these are the generations of sons of Noah, Shem, Ham, and Jephthah, and unto them were sons born after the flood. Now here are the sons of Jephthah. I'm not going to read them all, but let me just highlight a couple of them. The sons of Jephthah, Gomer, Magog, skip a couple, Tubal, Meshach, look at the last one in verse 3, Tagarma. Now wait a minute, I just told you that all of Bible prophecy has its foundation in the book of Genesis. In a moment or two, we're going to be looking at Ezekiel chapter 38. I have just given you the names of the personalities in Ezekiel 38 and are the nations that will be involved in that alignment of nations coming against the Jewish state of Israel in the beginning of the tribulation period. Their names come from the sons of Noah, uh, excuse me, sons of Jephthah, grandsons of Noah, and they are the ones who established the nations that we'll be talking about. Look what I'm talking about here. Look at verse 5 of chapter 10. 
By these were the isles of the Gentiles divided into their lands, everyone after his tongue, after their families, and in their nations. Now what happened over in chapter 11 of the book of Genesis is that the people all of the earth was speaking one language. Because of that, Nimrod was able to go into the face of God and instead of doing what the Lord had told him to do in chapter 9 and verse 1, be fruitful, multiply, repeople the earth, he instead said, no, we're not going to fill this earth with people. We're going to build a great city. It will be the beginning of my kingdom. I'm going to set everything in place. And the whole world followed him and got in line behind him. Because of that, then God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit came down, chapter 11, confused the languages. Now we're looking at a world with so many different languages nobody's really able to understand each other until they start finding those who are speaking a common language and start coming together to establish a settlement of some type once they have done that then they are going to have children some of them they'll teach their children a language and then they'll move to a location to establish a nation speaking that language now that is the beginning of all nations look again at verse 5 by these were the isles of the gentiles divided into their lands everyone after his tongue and so they started learning the language that uh, the lord had given to them at that place in babel after his tongue after their families they started raising families in their nations. They established nations. Let's think about this just a moment. You can go to any historical geographical textbook on biblical lands and you can look up Magog, Meshach, Tubal, Gomer, and Tagarma. When you do that, you're going to see that Magog went to the north of the Caspian and Black Sea with his family, teaching them a language. North of the Caspian and Black Sea, if you know anything about geography, would be what we know as modern day Russia. Meshach, Tubal, Gomer, and Tagarma went south of the Caspian and Black Sea, and that would be in the ge geographical area that we know today as modern-day Turkey. In fact, I was in Turkey doing some television not too long ago, picked up an ancient Turkish map, and that Turkish map was relating to me that during biblical times, Turkey was divided into four parts. Those four parts, Meshach, Tubal, Gomer, and Tagarma. And so we see that the sons of Jephthah, grandsons of Noah, took their families, taught them a language, and went to a geographical location and established a nation. Now let's look at verse 6. This is the next son. This would be Ham. And the sons of Ham, Cush and Mizram and Put and Cana. Now let me just think through you, with you who these people are. When you come to Cush, Cush is what we know today as the area of Ethiopia, Somalia, and Sudan. Mizoram is modern-day Egypt, Put is modern-day Libya, and Cana is modern-day Israel. And so we see now that additional nations are coming into existence as well. And this is laying out for us a very interesting concept. Right now, here in chapter 10, we're 262 years away from Abraham ever coming on the scene. You hear what I just said? Right now, in this passage of Scripture, it, it, I got the number from the genealogies. Don't throw away genealogies. There's some great truth in genealogies. There's a genealogy in chapter 5 that sets up for the reason Noah was able to escape the flood and his family. A genealogy in chapter 10 laying out for us where these peoples go to establish nations. Chapter 11, a genealogy bringing us to Abraham. 
And if you look at chapter 10, with Ham having these boys, Cush, Miseram, and Put, and Cana, you'll have to realize that Abraham's not on the scene. It's 260 years plus before he's ever kind of come on the scene. And by the way, listen to me, that's going to be a number of years before Ishmael ever comes on the scene. Here's my point. Ishmael did not father the Arab world. I just established that Ethiopia, Somalia, Sudan, Egypt, the most populated Arab nation in the world, and Libya are involved as sons of Ham, grandsons of Noah, establishing nations. How do I know they established nations? Look here in verse 20. Now, these are the sons of Ham after their families, after their tongues, in their countries, in their nations. One I didn't throw in, Cush has a son named Nimrod. And verse 10 of chapter 10 says the beginning of his king was Babel in the plains of Shinar. That's the area of Mesopotamia. Mesopotamia, the two rivers, Tigris and Euphrates. The plains of Shinar would be what we know as modern-day Iraq, another Arab country. Let's just uh, take a moment and go to the book of Genesis chapter 16 with me. The book of Genesis chapter 16. In chapter 16, we see what is going to happen as it relates to the birth of Ishmael. Again, if we're going to understand the nations, we've got to understand who they really are. Ishmael did not father the Arab world. Abraham did not father the Arab world. They did father one nation. Let me tell you who they are. Chapter 16 and verse 1. Now, Sarai, Abram's wife, bare him no children, and she had a handmaiden, an Egyptian, whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said unto Abraham, Behold, now the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. I pray thee, go in unto my maiden, and it may be that I may obtain children by her. And so Abram hearkened unto the voice of his wife, Sarah. He goes in unto Hagar. He impregnates her. They are going to have a son. His name is going to be Ishmael. Oh, by the way, where was Hagar from? Oh, the first verse says she was an Egyptian. That verse right there should show you that hey, Ishmael did not father the Arab world. Unless, now I, I have a PhD doctorate, I don't have an MD. But I think if there's an MD in the audience, you could probably confirm this. It's impossible for a man to father his mother. I think that's correct. And if that be the case, Ishmael couldn't father Hagar, an Egyptian. So Ishmael certainly didn't establish the Egyptian people. Look what it says over here. The Lord does meet with Jesus Christ, I'm talking about, in a pre-incarnate appearance, does meet with Hagar. Look at verse 8. And he said unto Hagar, Sarah has made him, whence camest thou? And he was asking what she was concerned about. And then he said unto her in verse 10, and the angel of the Lord said, I will multiply thy seed exceedingly. That, by the way, the angel of the Lord is a pre-incarnate appearance of Christ. And that you shall be, uh, be numbered for a multitude. And the angel of the Lord, Jesus Christ, said unto her, Behold, thou art with child, and shall bear a son, and shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord hath heard thine affliction. And he will be a wild man. His hand shall be against every man, and every man's hand against him. And he shall dwell in the presence of all of his brethren. There's a character uh, analysis of what Ishmael is going to be like, a wild man raising his hand against every man, every man's hand against him. Uh, but indeed, he's going to father a nation. It didn't say nations, a nation. Look what it says here in verse 20 of chapter 17. 
Uh, the Lord Jesus again appears to Abraham. He's had this son, Ishmael, and here's what he tells him. Verse 20, and as for Ishmael, I have heard thee. Behold, I have blessed him, and I will make him fruitful, and I will multiply him exceedingly. Twelve princes shall he begot, and I will make him a great nation, one nation. Ishmael became the father of one nation, not the many nations of the Arab world. This is key to understanding Bible prophecy. Next week, we'll see which nation was fathered by Ishmael as we continue to answer the question, where is the United States in Bible prophecy? Dr. Jimmy DeYoung and the Legacy Series. This Legacy Series plus our DVD that we're offering this week on the destiny of America. You can order those by calling our office, 423-825-6247. We sure would appreciate your support at this time of the year. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we'll wrap up with a look at the book and finishing up with our DVD preview, Destiny of America. I'm Ruth Kramer with Mission Network News. The protests in Iran have captured headlines since September, but increasing persecution of Iranian Christians has largely gone unnoticed. And that's on purpose, says Nazanin Bagastani. She works with Heart for Iran's Mohabat TV. After police raid houses, they warn Christians not to tell anyone. They see Christianity as a threat to the stability of the Islamic Republic. Thank God for the faithfulness of Iran's believers and ask him to strengthen them as they face rampant persecution. And what's the unlikeliest place for a church? A Ukrainian pastor started one at a lonely, open-air bus stop. Eric Mock of the Slava Gospel Association says it all began with one couple, discouraged and broken down by alcohol addiction. Jesus has completely transformed their lives, and the congregation has grown. SGA stands behind over 350 missionaries all over the former Soviet Union. Ask God to strengthen them. Mission Network News, a service of One Way Ministries. I'm Ruth Kramer. Have you always wanted to visit the land of Israel? Imagine what it would be like to walk in the footsteps of Jesus. With Joshua Travel, you can visit Israel past, present, and prophetic. The Bible will come alive as you see places like the shepherd's field where our Lord was born, Caesarea Philippi, Cana of Galilee, Capernaum, the Garden of Gethsemane, and the Garden Tomb. You'll even experience an exciting boat ride on the Sea of Galilee. You'll visit each site with Bible in hand as we take the time to not just visit the sites, but to help you understand their importance to our biblical heritage and to our prophetic future. We will place special emphasis on the eternal city of Jerusalem, the most important city in the world, and the place from where Jesus will rule and reign one day. Call Joshua Travel today at 423-821-3635 to find out more about this trip of a lifetime, or you can visit us online at joshuatravel.com. Welcome back to Prophecy Today. I'm Jimmy DeYoung, Jr. Along with Rick, we have been examining current events in the light of God's prophetic word. This is such a great time of the year. I trust that you have enjoyed the program today as we gave you a sneak preview. But I love Christmas time, Rick, and it's something that has always been very special in our family. 
really this time of the year reminds me of a illustration that dad used to use. And the illustration goes something like this. Mom and dad were driving along, I think in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, and they saw beautiful Christmas decorations. And when my mom saw the Christmas decorations, he said, boy, I can't wait for Thanksgiving. You know, we do love Thanksgiving every other year. We get together with mom's family so you can tell that she loves Thanksgiving. And dad just looked at her and he's like, you're crazy. Why? When you see Christmas decorations, does it make you think of Thanksgiving? Well, the illustration goes to prove what we do here on Prophecy Today Radio is we look at events that are going to take place in the end time and how current events in the world today are setting the stage for these prophecies to be fulfilled. But you know what? Just like Thanksgiving comes before Christmas, the events that are going to take place in the future take place in the tribulation period. And before that, the rapture of the church must take place. That's a great analogy. And as a matter of fact, I think we'll be playing a portion of that. And you'll hear a message during our Legacy Series in the month of December where he does tell that story. Well, Rick, today we covered our project of the destiny of America. I know, you know, when we first thought about this program, we were thinking about the uh, working title was The Demise of America. And you and I have kind of referred back to that a couple times, but we changed it to The Destiny of America. Why Why did we do that? Well, simply, Jimmy, we changed the title because we're looking at the destiny of America. All the nations of the world will have a role to play. All the nations that are in effect when the tribulation takes place and the end times begin, they will have a destiny. They will have a role to play in God's end time scenario. As we examined that in the program today, you heard about that in the insurrection or the infiltration, how America very well could fall. Well, the end of that video, uh, I told you we do go through prophecy. We help people to understand. We lay out the timeline and we give the gospel presentation. And we want to finish up with that, the ending of that video today, as we close out our program, as we talk about the reason why we do this. As an American, you could very easily lose your hope. The Bible clearly says it's going to get worse and worse and worse. But that is not a doom and gloom message. Because I understand this isn't all running out of control. It's actually like a script. And things are going prophetically as they have been foretold to happen. So this is a great, exciting time to be alive. And my hope is in the fact that Jesus is our great hope. I finally get to be with Jesus Christ. I finally get to go to heaven. No more pain, no more sorrow, no more death. If we die and we go into the grave, that is not the end. We have a hope, a hope of forgiven sin and eternal life, free from the presence and the power of sin. We have the only hope for the world. In spite of all the threats and the persecution and the horrendous things of, you know, based on men's sin, uh, we have the answer. And we ought to tell the world about that. Unashamedly, we ought to be out there declaring the truth of Christ uh, in a world that doesn't want to hear it. You know, keep in mind, this is a spiritual war. Uh, What Satan and his demons do is they use lies, intimidations, and manipulations. They try to embarrass us into not saying anything. They try to manipulate our thoughts. You know, we are sinful, and we have to recognize where we've come from, but we have to keep our eyes on where we're going. And so, yes, there's great hope. 
Uh, but that hope's not here. That hope is in heaven, and we need to share that good news with those that are lost, and there are a lot of lost people out there. God is sovereign. God is still on his throne. Every nation is going to be seated at his footstool. He still has the iron scepter that he is going to still rule nations with. And we have to remember that even though we have a period of suffering, that that period is short-lived. The Bible promises that as we're entering into these last days, into these final days, into these days of Noah, that at the end of that time, the Lord is going to return his saints with him to rule and reign on this planet. Our hope is in our gospel message. When the word is preached, it brings life, it brings hope. The hope centers of America are us, the Christians. Jesus is returning soon. So ultimately, the enemy will be defeated. Ultimately, these things will be broken and Jesus is coming to rule and reign as the King of kings and Lord of lords. But in the meantime, let's gather, let's be bold to share with people, with Muslims, with non-Muslims, with anybody. They need to hear the truth. The truth will set them free. God is still victorious. We will not lose. We can stand on that solid ground, which is the Word of God, that Jesus Christ is Lord, is Savior. He rescued me 22 years ago. He can rescue you or anybody who calls on His name to be saved. That blessed hope is based upon our relationship with God. That relationship is not a religion. That hope is based upon the fact that you do know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior which is as simple as ABC. A, you need to admit that you're a sinner. I did when I was 11 years old, and I trusted in Jesus Christ, but my first step was to admit that I was a sinner who needed a Savior. B, to believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He came, he lived a perfect life, crucified, buried, three days and three nights later, resurrected from the dead. We believe that. That's the gospel. The gospel is the promise of the death, burial, and resurrection, and that for the purpose of giving us eternal life. So you have A, admit, B, believe, and then C, call upon the name of the Lord. The book of Romans chapter 10 verse 13 says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You can call upon the Lord right now. In fact, as you're watching this documentary, you could bow your head, admit you're a sinner, believe that Jesus died to take away our sin, and call upon Him to give you eternal life. I want Him to find me living pure. But in addition to that, I need to be productive until He does come to take us up to be with Him forevermore. If you have decided to make that decision today, we would love to hear from you. That was Dr. Jimmy DeYoung and our new video, The Destiny of America. Thank you so much for joining us today. This is Jay Johnson inviting you to join us again next week for more of Prophecy Today.